Good morning, and welcome to Coffee with the Sarlows. I'm Kelly. Good morning, I'm Karen. We're going to start off with show notes today. We have our evening with Medium events coming up in April, August, and December. The dates are April 26th, August 23rd, and December 13th. All tickets are on sale at the website, buysarlow.com, and I do believe that we are nearly sold out for April. We are. We have six tickets left. Amazing. And if you can't swing those dates, we do have another evening with medium events coming up in June on the 7th at the Sturgeon Riverhouse Museum. You can get your tickets by calling the Riverhouse Museum or by calling the rec center. We have a second podcast show called Sips of Sanity. It's available on the website by sarlo.com. It is five 10 minute shows that run the first week of every month. We pick a topic to help you grow your emotional and spiritual intelligence toolkits. You can head over there because there is an archive. So you can go right through as many shows as you'd like. And if you're interested, we also have coffee mugs for sale. And they are also available on the same website for $15 each. So you can enjoy your coffee with us in a mug. Last but not least, we have personal sessions and gift certificates available for purchase. You can do so and receive those sessions from anywhere in the world via Skype, FaceTime, Zoom, or telephone. Yeah, and you know what, Kelly? I think it's also good for people locally to hear that if they would like, they are more than welcome to also do their sessions, even if they live right here in North Bay and area where we are, by any of those means as well, because sometimes you just you just can't get out of your jammies. I hear that one. Okay, so on to today's show. So Kel, I know that you had a really interesting experience with a client just yesterday. And that after she left, when you explained a couple of things that happened in the session, you and I talked about that this was something that we see quite often, not just in sessions, but that we think it's really pertinent to what many people experience in their own family units and in their own work environments. Yes, and specifically in the work environments at every level. And that'll make more sense once the story is laid out. So what ended up happening in this client's session is the information that came through was all about um, how she feels completely worthless within her family unit. So all of the different examples, which we can talk about today, just always came back to someone in her family, multiple family members telling her that she was the disappointment and that she should be ashamed of herself, that she was never doing enough. All of those standard, I'll say typical, beat the confidence out of the kid sayings. So this has happened her entire life. She's the oldest sister and she is consistently compared to the younger sister, who's the golden child. So right from a very young age, she's already being abused and learning that she's not good enough compared to, right? And that bar is constantly shifting because no matter what this younger sibling does, let's call her Jill, Jill can never measure up to. And even when the younger sister gets into trouble, causes trouble, is being abusive herself because she's witnessing the parents do it to the sister, Jill gets in trouble because of her sister's behavior. Oh my God. Yeah. Got so it. It's, it's like layered deep already. Well, she's going to be an angry person. Hugely. So not only is there sibling comparison, 
There is, you're never doing enough to contribute to your own family. So she can house sit for her parents because she's an adult now. She can drive to and from her parents' house to do this because she lives in a different city, like 20 minutes away. And she does this between her shifts to take care of their home when they're on vacation. And when she says to them, you know, um, is there any way that there's someone else who could help you on a day where I work a 15-hour shift? She's shamed for not doing enough and making her family a priority. Mm. But they're also not financially supporting her. They won't give her a penny. And I'm not saying they should. I'm just giving you the full story in that they're asking her to compromise her two jobs to go care for the family. So when she uses her voice at all to stand up for her own rights and her own needs... Her mom will throw it in her face and say, you're such a disappointing daughter. You don't love us. You don't prioritize us. You're not kind. You're not considerate. And if she ever, ever brings up her little sister and says, do you know, you know, could I have help? Could she help me with these things? No, don't involve her. She needs her time. She needs to study. She gets too stressed and overwhelmed. We need to protect the younger sister and Jill, that's well, I should have called her Cinderella, needs to do everything so that the little sister isn't upset by anything. Now, she's also abused in the sense that they pick on her or criticize her for not being pretty enough, for not being thin or fit enough, for not being stylish enough. Like it, the list is never ending. You think of any possible way that you could be hurt and they've done it. To the point where her sister got upset with her and decided that she was going to slap Jill across the face. And the mom got upset at Jill for angering the younger sister. So she has no identity, no place in this family, no worth. They've erased her. Yes. But only in moments that are convenient because... She needs to wholeheartedly be there in their family's eyes when they need to fault someone. Well, sure. She's actually more key than they think. Mm -hmm. But they just, they don't want her to catch on and know that. Right. So I'll say in spite of, but also because of these, these experiences in her life, she has grown up to be a perfectionist. Right. So and I say in spite of because even though she's told she can never do enough, she's she's proving that she can. Okay, And then because of for obvious reasons, she she desires to do this. So they're working in combination now. How exhausting, though. Oh, 100 percent, because it's obviously never going to be enough Mm -hmm. in their eyes. So she's an overachiever. She's got multiple jobs. She went through schooling. Like she was in two jobs during her schooling and writing exams and offering extra shifts when she could, maintaining a relationship in her personal life um, and a social life and doing all the things that you heard uh, Cinderella's parents wanted. So all this to say We started out this podcast by talking about the work environment. Now, this perfectionist is in her jobs, consistently convinced that she's also not valued in the workplace. I would imagine that this is presenting some challenges for coworkers and 
anybody in seniority. Yeah, and we bring this up, what you said we thought it was pertinent for people to hear, because you may be the co-worker of this person, you may be this person functioning in your workplace, or you may be management figuring out how the hell to deal with this person. Yeah. And those are all skills that we should have no matter what position we're in. Mm-hmm. So now keep in mind, she is great at her job. Mm-hmm. We did say she was an overachiever. She's a team player because she wants to be included and accepted, right? Because yeah. it's the last thing she's ever had. Oh, yeah. She's terrified of uh, isolation again. Yes, but no matter how how much good feedback she gets from evaluations or management or even just coworkers on a daily basis who say, God, we love working with you. Oh, my God, you're efficient. Thank you. She can't hear it enough to help herself break the loop in her head that says you are worthless or you are not valued. Oh, Kelly, this is going to be a wonderful setup show for Sally Winston's show on coping with unwanted intrusive thoughts. Yes. So we'll say that. And then when we get to Sally Winston's show, we can refer back to this one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kel, how did some of her coworkers feel about her? That's actually a great question. So there's such mixed reviews and it's moment to moment mixed reviews because they've got this crazy, super efficient person who gets the job done and she sits in a position of reception. And if anyone has worked a reception desk, you know, you're a gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. You are a facilitator for many other people's careers. Yeah. Right. So that their job can go seamlessly. Oh, yeah. She's got power there. Totally. Yeah. And and power that I think people don't necessarily recognize until your job is dependent on their job. Right. And how well they do it. Yeah. And I think if they're making minimum wage or maybe close to it, I don't know what she's making. She may feel not valued by the money, but not understand that she really truly is valued by all of these people who need her to facilitate Uh the success of their own careers. Right. So, and I can speak to that because she is making minimum wage. So it is an entry level position. She's sort of just starting out there. Hasn't come to her year yet is what came through. So just to backtrack to your question, this overly efficient on top of everything, initiates change when she sees it's necessary, Mm -hmm. inclusive of everyone, considerate of everyone's needs, and like including clients. She is valued from her coworkers, but because she is so driven to prove herself and to overcompensate for that personal belief in her personal life that she's not valued, she teeters into a place of entitlement. Mm. Like, I give so much to this place. If I need an hour off, you should just give it to me. I give every extra ounce of my energy to this place and to these people. If I want something, I should just be handed it. Oh, but that's not true now. That's 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 a belief. Because I heard earlier that she's expected to give to her parents and to her sister and to her partner and to her social group. So that's a false belief right there. And she's using that statement in her head to keep her feeling a lack of and like, I deserve more. That's a great way to say it. So I now I kind of want to go in a different direction, though. Wait, wait, wait. To me, that sounds like emotional blackmail, Kelly. Ooh, yes. Okay, I fully accept what you're saying. Now, I still want to go in a different direction for a moment. Within the example I just gave... The belief system does come from observing that other people 
have exceptions in the in the job. So other coworkers can manipulate their schedule if they want to because they have that position or that authority to do so. She doesn't as reception because her shifts are set schedules. Jesus, nobody in reception has that ability. Right, but she sees within the company itself or the business itself that other people have that authority. Why don't I? Oh, I find that that's a common thing that can occur in that type of position. And I say that not with ignorance. I say that because I've been reception. Yeah, well, in I know. Many companies, government, private industries, hospital, I've done reception, clerical, secretarial, administrative, whatever you want to call it. I've done that role. And I know what it's like to sit in that position and see other people have freedoms that you don't get. And that you can be resentful of it if you have the wrong attitude. Absolutely. And here's the thing is that there was a meeting that ended up happening where she had to be told, look, the people that can flex their schedules do it to accommodate clientele. So if they say, I'm going to come in an hour early and leave an hour early, it's because a client requested an earlier spot. Mm -hmm. And so instead of working a 10-hour day, they might come in two hours early and leave two hours earlier so that it's still an eight-hour workday. Right. But she's actually reception that duty. She's the lock she's, on the door that's for right. business hours. She's that's, the cash and custody for the front desk. That's right. Yes. So she doesn't get, she's not allowed the same flexibility because she really is the operating hours. Yeah. And that's something that if she doesn't get her head into that headspace, it's going to cost her. Right. So it's not personal. And that was the thing that came up over and over again, is that she needed to remember and separate that the decisions that are made in her workplace are not personal. Mm -hmm. They are business decisions. Oh, I hope people hear this. Yeah, Jill, this has nothing to do with you and how much you do or do not give to us. This is about our doors need to stay open from eight to eight. Okay, so can I interject a little bit off course, but totally relevant to your subject? Mm -hmm. This is why people steal. Yeah, they feel undervalued. Like, how come I don't get what they get? And they don't understand the value of their own position or what they were hired to, to do for the wage they are hired to do it at. Mm -hmm. They accept it on the day of I took the job and then they throw that out. And, and they feel entitled. Yes, and they start comparing their job to other people's jobs. Mm -hmm. And because that makes them unhappy or feeling undervalued, even though there's no reason to feel that way, that's when they feel it's justified to steal. I love it. Because if you are the employer or the manager who's listening to this, you can then get into the headspace and understand why you might have problems with certain employees. Yes, because that employer now has to be able to look at that type of employee and go, wow, if she's behaving that way, I'm not saying she's going to steal 100%, but she is a higher risk at some point yep. for abusing her position. That was very well said, at higher risk. Yes. And that can change the way management or employers decide to communicate with their staff. Yes. Or decide how to compensate them. Yes. And to sit down and have that kind of conversation to say, how do you feel valued? It reminds me, Kelly, of the languages of love in relationships. Mm -hmm. To say, if we're partners, we're married, 
then how do we value each other and communicate? So we know those are the five languages of love. These are the things we do. They're measurable. Mm -hmm. But if this is an employee, you have to be able to sit down and say, what are your languages of appreciation? So do you need a gift on occasion? Do you need a cup of coffee? Do you need words of encouragement and praise? Do you need fill in the blank? Yeah. And then check in regularly to say, are these needs being met? Or you run the risk of this person stepping into the risk zone and taking it for themselves. Okay, so going back to your question again, in the moments where she is on top of her shit and excited to be there and feels worth, I'll say in that moment where she can Mm -hmm. see, I'll say, where she can actually see her effect that she has in her job. There's your payoff point. Yep, seeing the effect. The coworkers love her. They're thrilled and relieved when the shift change comes and she walks in because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, good, Jill's here. The job's going to get done well. But the flip side is, is that in a moment of comparison that maybe isn't done out loud, that she just decides in her head or witnesses something that she doesn't think she likes, a switch totally flips and she goes into entitlement mode and that people-pleasing, overachieving, super-efficient, happy woman completely comes out with this abusive comment of, well, I'm not the full-time day person, so you guys have to put up with her behavior because I'm not here and the company won't hire me. Okay. And it's like, that's abuse. Whoa, you got hired for a position because it worked for you at the time and you're expressing this out-of-the-blue resentment, out-of-the-blue to management because she's never actually vocalize that before mm-hmm. because she has to appear pleased oh. and pleasing oh, right and then it's like the co-workers sit there and are hit with this off-colored comment and it's like who is this and what's going on yeah you're stunned mm-hmm. and so you're stepping on eggshells because you don't know what that switch was and well, or when it happened well you were talking about an abusive relationship now kelly Right. Which is all she's known from her home. Of course. And which she's now carrying into work environments. Yes. And super unfortunate because, again, if we go back to the fact that evaluations have come through as here are all your great qualities and Mm -hmm. why we love you, here are areas of improvement, which is management's job to provide everyone. Right. She takes the areas of improvement as the hardest hitting, most personal issues. Of course. Instead of seeing that it's probably a 90-10 feedback for um, for compliments and then areas of improvement. And she just spins. Well, yeah, because at home it's 100 and zero. Right. And so she can't see that in another relationship there's, an, there's a shift of 90-10. She's throwing everything in. This is how I've been treated at home. So her mindset is stuck in one gear. Yeah. And that they, she functions in one gear then. Mm-hmm. And she's learned to swing from extreme people-pleasing pendulum to extreme bullying pendulum and no tools in the in-between area mm-hmm. at all. Yep. And then has to backtrack after the bullying to say, no, I'm actually happy with my position and I love it here and I need this job and I want this job. Well, sure. That's what they do. Yes. That that's the pattern of the people pleaser slash bullier. And the point being that had she gone on to actually seek out services and resources that could help her deal with and address the issues within her immediate family, 
her workplace could actually be a safe, amazing environment where she could thrive in all of her best qualities that happened in spite of that family. She just needs some tools to be able to take some criticism, which is what we all have to learn to do because there isn't a person on earth who isn't going to be faced with some criticism. Mm -hmm. But she's coming into, if I'm attacked, I have to attack back. Yep. Or, and it escalates, even when I'm not attacked, I have to attack first. Yep. Mm -hmm. Nina W. Brown wrote the book, Coping with Infuriating Mean Critical People. Patricia Evans wrote The Verbally Abusive Relationship. And both of those books deal particularly with those topics, Kelly. So if somebody's listening to this thinking, please give the resources. There are some, there, those are two right there that actually give people, the employers and the co-workers, statements to deal with that behavior. Yes. And and like you said, we all need them because if she had those tools and actually utilized them in her immediate family, she wouldn't feel that work was the place that had to be confronted. Oh, yeah. She could see truthfully what work was offering back to her to energize her. Yeah. I like what you've said about that. Yes, because like I said, every employee walks in and goes, oh, good, Jill's here. The job's getting done. Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't love to hear that? Yeah, and she doesn't have that in the home environment. That's one of the things that's lacking. No, she's hearing, Jill, you have to get the job done. Yeah. Did it come out in the session at all as to how some of the staff, like her coworkers, are dealing with her? Well, she got told how valued she was, and I think that's pretty wonderful to hear from the guides and be affirmed that you are in fact valued, and they gave back verbatim what the coworkers have said about her. Okay, but I mean to, did she hear at all that her coworkers don't know what to deal with, with the mood swings, oh. with the severe, because Kelly, people have to learn to deal with the severe people pleasing too. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just go along when someone's in the face of the people pleaser mode. We don't challenge it. We think, oh, this is the good stuff. This is the calm before the storm. Enjoy it. Okay. And we sop it up and we take it all in, not understanding that we're contributing to the energy that's going to follow afterwards. Okay, so I like the question that you're asking, but in answer to it, no, it didn't come through in the session. Okay. So she has not, I suppose, at this point, heard or understood how it's affecting them. Yeah. But that's what you and I are doing today is educating people. Yeah. Yes, I, I, think, it's, I think it's good for people to hear that when you go along with the people pleaser, you still are fueling the fire. Yes. And a lot of people don't understand even that point. Mm-hmm. Instead of being able to say to a people pleaser, ooh, time out. Oh my God, I love when you and Andrew see if I'm people pleasing and call a time out for me. Let me take a pause to think about it so that I can self-assess. Mm-hmm. It sounds like she doesn't have her pauses. No, and I think probably given what came through in her session with regards to the work environment itself, that no one probably feels like it's their position to confront her Mm. because she controls their schedule. And their flow of money coming in. Yes. So if I'm even going to address this with a coworker, She might not book me up. She'll book others up first. Right. And that's income for me. Yes. And therefore, I can't pay my bills. So this is too risky. Mm -hmm. So it's just then, Jill, are you okay? 
Jill, right. is everything all right? Yeah. Oh, thank you so much, Jill. Oh, so they have to appease the people pleaser right. because they know the shit storm's coming. Right. And they just don't want to be the one. Somebody's going to be the one. They mm-hmm. don't want it to be them. And remember that, like like her little tantrum had said, she's not the full-time day person. So the employees or her coworkers who don't feel empowered or don't feel like it's their position to confront her are just kind of sending up a Hail Mary prayer that management sees what's going on because management's not working the same hours as Jill. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. So management has to be able to have the ability to sit down with Jill and either work through some of this with her and set up some processes for her or she has to get some therapy or both. And you know what? And I would say hopefully both. Yeah. Because there's only so much as anyone knows that management or employers are legally allowed to say. Yes. Oh, God, yes. You, your, your hands are tied by the law. Mm-hmm. Before a lawsuit comes. Oh, yeah. Because this type of employee is the very same type that would turn around, go to the doctor's office and say, they're bullying me. I need a stress leave. Okay. Thank you for filling in the blanks. Yeah. And then they come back with a stress leave or one after the other. Mm-hmm. And the employer is sitting back, not able to say to the doctor, no, we're actually trying to address an issue that originates in her home life and really has extended its tentacles into her work environment. Yes. And that was the point of the session, right? So yeah. sitting with Jill, being able to channel the information about you're not getting away with your behavior it, it is seen. And that's probably terrifying because she's lived her whole life not knowing if seen is safe. Yeah. Right? But she doesn't know that the guides just see her with love and want to hold her accountable. Yeah. Now, also sitting down with her to say, you're coming by these fear-based actions very honestly. Mm-hmm. And here's the seed. And here's when it was planted. And here's where it has now grown. Oh, seed planted in the home growing into in the work. work environments and probably in every other aspect of her life absolutely because like you mentioned in, in love languages i can safely assume that in her personal relationship with her long-term partner that no matter what he says or does to say i appreciate and value you the majority of those things will go above her head or right through one ear and out the other Yeah, because there's so much discomfort or so much disbelief in the fact that she actually could be valued and should be. Yeah, I hope that Jill is able to go to therapy so that she can have somebody on her side or at least where she thinks they're neutral ground that can give her those tools. It's pretty difficult to think, no, I'm okay on my own. I can do this. And, and I hear that often in sessions, I'm sure you do, where you may suggest therapy and they scoff at it. Mm-hmm. They don't think it's worth whatever the amount of fee is. But ultimately, the fee can be that the partner leaves, that she ends up losing her family, that she ends up losing not just one job, but many, and friends. So the very thing that she's afraid of, isolation, lack of income, are the very things that are going to hit her hard. Yes. And I think too, one thing that you didn't directly mention is her mind. That's so perfect. It's the most important piece. Oh, yes. 
because it's your ability to get up and out of bed and earn or interact. Yeah, and she probably doesn't understand that she has a level of anxiety and a level of depression with this. Mm. So eventually she will end up in a medical doctor's office, really honestly having earned her medical leave. Oh, absolutely. And it did come up about anxiety and depression. And she did say, yes, that is correct. So there is an awareness, which I, I always like to say to people, awareness is great. That is one thing that some people don't even have yet. And I, because I like them to know that they are already one step into the healing if they're aware of it. Yeah. Right. I'm not sitting there trying to convince her that she's anxious and depressed. Yeah. But she doesn't understand or didn't prior to the session what the source was. Oh, I like that. Because, yeah, because she's grown up her entire life thinking something's wrong with me. Yeah. Instead of something's wrong with this family that's causing my depression. Yeah. Oh, That's gold. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Isn't it nice when you finally have your five degrees of separation Mm -hmm. and you put on a different set of glasses and instead of looking in the mirror going, the problem's all me, that you can finally say, oh dear, I think the problem's over there. I'm just going to step over here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But when you do your stepping, that means you actually need to get different tools because the only ones Jill is going to know came from the dysfunctional family. So therefore, they are dysfunctional tools. Yes. I also wanted to say too, just going along with your step analogy, is that you also have to keep moving. You can't just take one step and think, I've worked, I've moved. You have to keep the momentum going and gather all the tools. Till the day she dies. Oh, yes. And I say that. Because that seed is sitting in the center of who she is. Yeah. And it may take a lifetime to move that seed around and take it out. Oh, and as we know, lifetimes. Yeah. And this can be what is the most beautiful part of her life is all of the new are all of the new tools that she gets, how she uses them, how people respond. These can be beautiful things. They can be healthy, they can be fun. Some of them are hard, but they're worth it. And some people think I'm too lazy, I don't want to do that. Because what's familiar over here is easier. And it's like, it's not easier, it's familiar. Mm -hmm. And that's the part of the session that I always love, specifically in Jill's too, because you get to sit there and say to her, no, you're already like top-notch work ethic. So the fact that I'm saying go get tools, you already know how to put yourself in motion. You already know what progress is and what it looks like. She already knows how to break things down into really functional, efficient pieces because that's her job. And like I said, she's doing it so well. This is wonderful. So she could use all of the strengths that she has given herself and now put them in the right direction. Oh, I hope she does. Yeah, I think she's five steps ahead of most people. I I would like to check in with you again. In the podcast, down the road, maybe six months or three months or one year, whatever, to be able to check in and say, how is Jill? Well, and that will depend on whether or not Jill chooses to return. Yes, I understand that. I just think it would be fun for listeners and Mm -hmm. me personally to hear what choices Jill makes. And if she chooses to stay in her poop pile, which I call pool A, or if she wants to move into pool B. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, ho- I hope it's a good follow-up story. Yeah, me too. Thank you for sharing it today. Yeah, thank you for your questions. Mm-hmm. They helped kind of direct 
Good. All right. So if you have questions or comments about today's show, you can email us at info at Otherwise, have a beautiful weekend.